there. Welcome to another episode of Chatting with Asians. In this one, I chat with Tanya Zhang. She's a co-founder of a men's fashion company called Nimble Made. And if that brand sounds familiar to you, it's because I interviewed her partner, Wesley, in the first season. Inspired by her dad's struggle to find clothes that fit him in America, she quit her corporate visual designer job to pursue Nimble Made with a mission to bring diversity and inclusion to men's fashion. They've been featured on Money Magazine, Yahoo, and HuffPost, and I feel so lucky to have chatted with her about her experiences as a female entrepreneur and dealing with imposter syndrome. So here's my chat with Tanya Zhang. Hey, Tanya, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I really enjoyed recording the podcast episode with your boyfriend, Wesley, Mm -hmm. talking about Nimble Made. And so I thought it'd be a really good opportunity to get your point of view, especially as like an Asian female entrepreneur. Yeah, no, I'm super stoked to be here. When Wesley was on your podcast, I think that was, oh man, that was at the very beginning of our venture together as co-founders of Nimble Made. So hopefully I I can give you guys some cool updates on what we've been working on with the brand. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited to finally like talk with you. I know it's, it's been a while in the making. Um, I know our initial conversation a few months ago, we were kind of catching up and getting to know each other better. And you mentioned a really good point about how there are more nuances in women's fashion than men's fashion. And I'd love to explore that topic a little bit more. I, I mean, was that something that you had discovered before launching NimbleMate or afterwards? Yeah, we definitely get that question a lot when I tell like friends or strangers that I'm a co-founder of a menswear brand. A lot of the times the question I'll get is, oh, when are you going to go into women's clothing? And I'm like, um, like one problem at a time, please. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, but I think, I think I, I was really thinking about it when my dad and I were, would go shopping in the States, right? He's like, um, he's like five, five, he's one, I think probably 140 pounds and he's just like an overall slimmer guy. And so whenever he would come from China to the States to like visit, because he usually works abroad, he would just kind of straight out like tell me American dress shirts don't fit him. And I thought that was really weird because (laughs) I think he's like by no means a small guy, right? He's like pretty like average, I guess, build. And so it was very shocking to like go to like Macy's or go to like JCPenney's and literally try on almost every single dress shirt brand in the store and not find a dress shirt that fit him well, right? They're often just like very baggy or like too long or like the sleeves are way too long too. And it was just so shocking because like, I feel like for women's clothing, there are like petite clothes um, and there are lines kind of like specifically for like different like body types so a little bit more kind of size inclusive than what I've seen in men's fashion so far yeah definitely I feel like I don't know are you a big fan of Queer Eye on Netflix oh my god I love it I literally cry every episode (laughs) I just finished I just finished season four and there was so much ugly crying I did so much ugly crying (laughs) oh man it's the best I love it. But I think 
there's something to having inclusive sizing for men. Um, you know, there's like a huge movement right now to be more proud of different body types, especially in women's fashion. Uh Um, and I've always been petite, so I've always shopped for petite sizes and I, and I've always appreciated having that availability. Uh Um, but I think watching Queer Eye definitely makes you realize, oh, well, men also deserve to have more inclusive sizing. Mm-hmm. And it's just not really part of the conversation. Yeah, I think. definitely, definitely. And I totally agree. I think especially Asian Americans or um, Asians that just have kind of come straight from all parts of like Asia coming here and then realizing that the sizes on on average are just much larger than what they would get um, in Asia, right? So, for example, the Uniqlo in the States, their sizes are a little bit larger than the Uniqlo in China, right? Like, I've gone shopping and, like, I've, like, bought shirts from Uniqlo in China and, like, gotten, like, a small and then, like, bringing it back to the States, finally trying it on. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so tight. There's just such, like, (laughs) there's such a size discrepancy um, across countries that it's 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 alarming. It's true. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's so (laughs) true. (laughs) Um, Kind of going back into Nimble Made and, like, your just your journey into entrepreneurship, uh, you started... It, well, even before you started Nimble Made, you spent some time working at an ad agency, startups, and at Ernst & Young. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Mm, and so it's been about nine to ten months since pursuing Nimble Made full-time. Is that correct also? I would say that is accurate. Yep. Yeah. So what has been maybe like the top three challenges about switching from, you know, office life to entrepreneur life? Mm, yeah, I've I was working in the corporate space for about, I think, four years um, right off r- right out of grad. And like you said, making that transition from, you know, like a office job, you have like a nine to five or like a nine to nine sometimes. And then you have like the weekends to kind of just like chill to all of a sudden working on your own business and like leaving that kind of like routine and that structure behind you was a very tough transition. I think I did my best to like research um, how to kind of best manage my expectations when I was about to make that transition. I was like, what to expect when you uh, work for yourself full time, right? And Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of like the internet consensus is that you lose a sense of community um, when you're working in a, in a corporate space, like you have coworkers, you know, you, you have a desk, um, you have happy hours, you have like networking events and that all of that kind of just like goes away when you're working by yourself for yourself, whether that's like at home or, you know, in like a coworking space or in a cafe. And that was one of the, that was one of the toughest things, um, that, uh, Wesley and I had to kind of go through. It was almost like you're, you're you're alone too much of like with yourself that you're kind of almost like going a little crazy um so that's (laughs) definitely yeah that was definitely one of the struggles I think um the second thing is um very much finances right that's probably the first thing that comes to mind when people even entertain that thought of doing their own thing full time is like, okay, but like, how can I pay for food? (laughs) 
um, that's a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think that for me, luckily, I've been able to freelance on the side, like even though I was working um, a corporate job for a few years, at the same time, I was kind of just like doing some side gigs here and there doing like graphic design, visual design, UI UX design, kind of just like one time project based um, assignments. And so I was lucky enough to kind of have a little bit of that um, emergency fund um, where I felt comfortable enough saying like, okay, I can probably survive for like a while off of like my savings. Um, and so I think I should just give it a go. So finances definitely is the second toughest. It should probably be like number one, really. <laughs> it's like tied with the, with the like loss of community or, you know, loneliness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah definitely. And I think, oh man, I just feel like there's so many, like, there's so many tough things. How do I narrow it down to just three? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think probably the last one I would say is just the fact that I think if you're working in the corporate space, you have, you know, like half year reviews, you have um, feedback uh, rounds with like a supervisor, you kind of can see your progress as you're working at an office or for a company, you know, like every two or three years, maybe you'll get like a promotion, maybe you'll get two, you know, like you'll get raises. And that's kind of expected when you're in that space. And like, like corporations have built that kind of hierarchy and that like that way for you to be able to climb the corporate ladder right and so I think I think like that's been tough because where do you like how do you track your progress and how do you track your self-growth when you're kind of just thrown into this like dark abyss of entrepreneurship and the fact that like for us Nimble made um, our dress shirt brand we're completely self funding it so I think just naturally that means the growth of the business is going to be much slower right because we'll be like oh let's put you know ten dollars into ads versus if we got funding it'd be like let's put like 10k or even 100k into ads right and so just naturally by the nature of how we've like cemented our business we want to be self-funded we want to kind of say that we like really just made this our own and we didn't need like irresponsible kind of like like funding or spending I guess in that way um Mm -hmm. and so it's really just like it's it's hard to track your progress and it's hard to tell if you're like moving the needle for like the business even like for yourself right and so sure we've like come up with like metrics and we're like okay by you know end of q1 we're gonna do this 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 and then it's almost just like it's it's disheartening because you almost like never really like hit those metrics (laughs) um especially as a Mm self-funded business everything just goes so much slower than you think that it would yeah i do you feel like do you feel like with the check-ins like are you are you striving maybe striving is not the right word like are you Mm -hmm. craving more of the you know trying to meet certain metrics or are you also craving for more kind of like personal growth kind Mm -hmm. of metrics if if that makes any sense right like because I think part of the performance review cycles is that you know you're not only being measured um by 
like how your performance is like by metrics, but also kind of personality wise, right? Like how, mm-hmm. how are your interpersonal skills with other people? Is that something that like you and Wesley are trying to strive for as well when you're, you know, checking in with yourselves? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. Like a lot of those performance reviews within the corporate setting is like quantitative, but also qualitative, right? And so I think when Wesley and I set kind of our goals, it was at a very quantitative business specific level so it's like how many email subscribers are we gonna get how many instagram followers like what's the number of sales right and like it's very business driven and i think when we first left our corporate jobs i think this was in uh last fall so like october november of 2018 the first few months after we left and we were working full-time on the brand it was just so stressful we were like so like honed in on the business and like not eating you know and like not taking care of ourselves and like Wesley and I are also dating so it's like there's just no time for us to like go out and like not talk about work or you know like go out and just enjoy our lives and so Mm -hmm. I think a few months like really into it we were just so burnt out and we're so tired and just kind of like oh we have to like work again you know And it's tough because it was something that we were really, like at the beginning, super excited to do. Like, this is our passion. This is our side hustle turned into our full-time hustle. And then we just really like felt it like, oh, this is work. And that's just like the worst. I don't know. I feel like that's just like the worst thing. And so now that we're kind of like nine months, like 10 months in, just like very recently, we've just decided to kind of change the way that we're thinking about it, right? Like nimble made, if it doesn't take off, totally fine. You know, we don't need to put that much pressure on ourselves to say this is the idea to like make it. Um, We're like, you know, we're freelancing on the side too. Like Wesley just picked up his own kind of like digital marketing um, client, which is awesome. And like, I'm still doing design. And at the same time, we're working with like freelancers who are doing our nimble made ads too. So we have people who are like working on the brand too, who aren't so kind of attached emotionally to the brand. And so at the same time, like we're able to see that growth in our business it's slow but it's still it's still growth and so I think reflecting on the first few months of us being just so tired and so burnt out we're like are we even enjoying this like are we even like enjoying our lives together like we did this because it was fun and we can work together all the time and like build something together but we were just like no like I think we had like we probably each lost like 10 pounds which is kind of ridiculous and I don't know how that happened um I'm like I feel like I eat you know it's like one of those things where you think you eat a lot but you just like skip meals sometimes because you're just so deep in it yeah yeah no for sure I also felt Mm. the same way in terms of like I think especially because this is the first time I've ever pursued something with the podcast I mean um the first time I've ever pursued a like a side project or passion project that involves an audience and involves guests and it involves people and I started, well, especially nowadays, like podcast is such a hot mm-hmm. thing to have. Like, I feel like everyone <laughs> and their mom has a podcast. <laughs> and so not only is the area super saturated, but that also means, you know, I find myself comparing mm-hmm. my podcast to other podcasts. And, you know, you find yourself feeling like, oh, I'm not doing mm-hmm. enough events or I'm not doing enough, you know, higher profile guests. I'm not, I'm not achieving all of these things. And, you know, I found myself in a spiral of feeling 
just yeah. self-doubt and on top of each other. Um, but kind of what helped me to pull myself back out of that, you know, sort of situation was like reminding myself why I wanted mm-hmm. to do this podcast in the first place. And it was really just to be able to share stories like yours and, you know, other people um, just out into the public sphere without, I, I don't know, it kind of keeps mm-hmm. my mission a little bit more humble and maybe a little bit more sustainable in the long run in, in the case that this does grow the yes. way that it naturally should, right? Um, yeah, because I feel like burnout is such a real thing, especially for entrepreneurs. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally hear you. I think that there are like, I like everyone is like doing a podcast, but <laughs> I think um, with our experience with Nimble Made, we've just seen a bunch of other companies like also doing the same thing that we are. You know, they're doing slim fit only dress shirts, or they're doing like dress shirts just for like short men. You know, and so there's like literally every idea has been thought of, and someone is like doing it, and it doesn't really matter because I think that if you have if you have an idea and you don't give up, you can like make it work and you can make it like happen and you can like get income from it. It just takes a lot of hard work, but I, I don't think that like people should um, kind of like keep searching and searching and searching for an idea or a product that no one has ever thought of um, yeah. because that's just like, no, that's, that's impossible. Um, but I'm super appreciative of your podcast actually, because I think Wesley was like one of your first few ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, what was it? That was like a, that was a while back, but then I was like talking to someone, um, I think through this community and I was explaining to her like what I did. I was like, Oh, I work on like Nimble Maid. And she's like, Oh, I've actually, you know, heard, I've heard your, I've heard your co-founder Wesley's podcast episode with chatting with Asians. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, that's not so. That is so bonkers. Amazing. I was like, Oh my God. Thank you, Angie. You're killing it. Killing oh it. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so happy to give you the platform for you guys. Like you, you helps me to at least like get that mm-hmm. start for my podcast. So I'm always appreciative about that. <laughs> I love that women supporting women. Let's go. Yes. So good. Uh, well, I guess on the flip side, I mean, what's the best part so far about entrepreneur life? Oh, flip side. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I know the tougher one. Yeah. Um, I like this question a lot because we just Wesley and I are just so like entrenched in the business and we always focus on like the bad things that are happening like we always see like the returns um and the exchanges but never like the customers who have like kept the shirt you know like if they like bought it online so yeah it's interesting it's super interesting yeah well like for example just like on a tangent for example we'll like get a return like a customer's like oh it doesn't like fit well like oh what are we doing you know like like why are we doing this we keep getting like returns you know and then like later we'll do like a little like um analysis and see that actually our returns are like pretty low we probably have like 10 to like 15 percent which is like much less than the average for e-commerce so we're like oh I guess I guess we're okay like I guess that's fine (laughs) it's ridiculous um the best part uh I think the best part about entrepreneurial life is really just setting your own schedule I know that's like cliche and people like say that a lot but to have the freedom to do whatever you want when you wake up is like 
amazing like you don't I mean like we went through a few months of like <laughs> we were just wearing the same clothes and like I was like just like I was bare face you know it was just like kind of ugly yeah. for like <laughs> for a while too um, no. but it was kind of amazing because sometimes we'll be like oh like it's a really nice day out like why don't we just go get dim sum on like like 12 at like like on a Tuesday right where there's like no line right. and you're just like you can order literally anything and don't feel like you're like rushed or like you need to, you know. So mm-hmm. I think just like the freedom of it in general has just been so, it's just been so, uh, man, I don't even know what the word is, but it's, <laughs> it's just been that amazing that you're exactly. speechless. <laughs> it is a blessing. Yes. Time. Just time is great. You know, what's so funny is that I, I also feel the same way in terms of, oh man, you know, having more freedom, especially as a creative entrepreneur is, is the flip side, like the, best part Mm -hmm. about it. Um, but you know, I actually found myself in a really not, it's not, it's not a super bad situation, but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. ideal. So on my birthday, it was Tuesday and I work part-time, uh, on a temporary basis Mm -hmm. for a nonprofit. And on, on Tuesdays through Thursdays, I get off in the afternoon. And so I thought, Oh, this would be a perfect time for me to get off from work. It's Mm -hmm. a Tuesday. And I didn't make any plans to have dinners, you know, with friends until that weekend. So I thought, oh, I'll go to Japantown, maybe grab lunch with my parents. And they said, oh, yeah, that sounds great. So we all met up in Japantown at 3 p.m. Nothing was open until 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, well, this is the worst part about having all this that's free funny. time. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, we. I think we ended up going to a restaurant and it was so, it was so bad. Like nothing was fresh. Everything just like tasted so stale oh. and they were really pushing us to just get out of the restaurant as soon as oh, possible. No. So I was like, happy birthday to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, it was all good. I mean, like I made it up with, you know, a nice weekend here and there. So I can't yeah. complain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you know, especially for Asian creatives and entrepreneurs, it's really, I think it's one of the toughest steps to try to explain to your parents or to your family, this Mm -hmm. big lifestyle change. Uh, you know, for some people it might be like, well, what's the big deal? Mm -hmm. I think for some others, it really could mean face like mean facing a lot of judgment or a lot of kind of fighting Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, would you be open to sharing your experiences when you first told your family about pursuing Nimble Made full-time? Yes, definitely. Um, I actually, I will sometimes go speak at colleges at like, uh, with business frats. I'll like go in and like tell them how I like built this, um, brand and a lot of kind of like the more like Asian American crowd or like the people of color, uh, students will very much be like, Oh, like the first question they ask me will be, Oh, how did you tell your parents though? You know, like, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's like super telling of the fact that entrepreneurship is a very unconventional career path, right? And for me, I was most recently at Ernst & Young and Wesley was at City and then he was at, uh, and then he moved to an e-commerce startup uh, in Manhattan. And so very much like in our parents' mind, it was like, oh, you've made it, stay at that job for like, Right. 50 years, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, I think it was tough. I think, oh, man, I'm trying to, when I, when, when Wesley and I were starting to think 
about leaving our corporate jobs more seriously, I had to really be strategic about it. Um, I think because I had also moved from LA, where I'm originally from, to New York City to work. Um, my mom was kind of already like, you know, like pissed at that. <laughs> um, but I think I, I was, I was just very strategic with that. I. Whenever I would call her, you know, like walking um, to the subway, I would just like ring her and I'd be like, oh, hey, mom, like, how's it going? Oh, you know, I just, I just had an idea today. Um, <laughs> you know, dress shirts, skinny guys, you know, like we can probably like make something for them, <laughs> you know, just like something really like casual. Um, and right. then just kind of like, uh, just kind of like incept the idea into her mind over <laughs> a certain time frame until she's kind right. of like on board with you too. Cause like, it was also like, she's been part of it kind of too. <laughs> um, it was a very, yeah, it was kind of a, it was a very strategically thought out kind of plan uh, to convince my mom at least. Cause she's a little bit more traditional, I guess. Um, and so that was, that was tough. I think all in all, Wesley and I are very fortunate in that our families are open-minded uh, and that they're willing to kind of talk it through and that they support and that they love us a lot, you know. And so I think we we are very much grateful to have had their support all throughout this. You know, I definitely would not have been able to quit my job if my mom was like, I don't feel good about this. Like a hundred percent, I I just cannot do that to her, and so I think being being able being able to have parents who are very open minded was just such a blessing. But it did it did take a little bit of like maneuvering <laughs> to to get there. Yeah, totally. I to be very honest, when I had the podcast idea, it I actually didn't mm-hmm. even tell my parents until I just. I, I don't know why. I think a lot of it was just, I didn't want to have to explain Mm -hmm. myself for my decision. And I knew it wasn't something that I was going to pursue full time Mm -hmm. right away anyway. Uh, It was just a side project that I just wanted to explore. And I think I just wanted to keep myself in that Mm -hmm. kind of honeymoon period of like, this is my little thing. And this is my little world. And I just want to explore it the way that I want to explore it without, Mm -hmm. you know, outside uh, yeah. opinions necessarily. Um, and so I, obviously I told my friends about it and they loved the idea. I think my parents, you know, I can't even exactly remember how my <laughs> parents knew about the podcast. I think I also casually mentioned it. I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm job searching, coming back mm-hmm. to San Francisco from Finland. And I started <laughs> yeah, a podcast, yeah. but anyway, I'm Sandwich job saying, yeah. uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sandwich it. Oh, you know, you look so nice today. And the flowers look really lovely love today, it. Mom. Uh, and, you know, I also feel lucky in a sense because I think I felt a lot more pressure when I was younger um, to, you know, maybe pursue a more conventional mm-hmm. school path and career path and whatever. But now that I'm, like, 30, my yeah. parents are like, okay, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think there's also something really nice about choosing your own support group as well, whether, whether or not that includes your family, right? I, it's so important to just find the people who want to support you kind of no matter Mm -hmm. what, um, your projects may be. And that could be friends, that could be family. It's just nice to have that. Yeah. I think it's like, it's almost 
required to have that. Otherwise, it's just so, so hard on like yourself to, to try to make it work, you know, like support is, is everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's just there's no way that I could have done this purely all by myself had it not been the encouragement of, you know, just my close friends and other people who are like, oh, I would love to hear stories yeah. like this. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that's the same for you guys. Like, like, I'm sure you guys get the encouragement every once in a while from customers who are like, I love these shirts or like, I've been looking for this. Yes. Yes. When we, when we do get that kind of feedback, it's literally like, Oh my God, it's all been worth it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the struggle has been worth it. Um, yeah. I mean, we've heard people say that this is like nimble made is going to be the only dresser brand that they buy from like from now oh on. And we're like, Wow. That's like, that's dedication. We're like, I don't even know who would like, buy our own shirts like thank you (laughs) yeah no it's but that's amazing because it's like it's something that you guys have created right like you guys had this idea and really took it into execution and now it's out there in the world for that one person to be like oh I would continue buying this forever and ever yeah and I think that's just oh man it's just we're just like way too hard on ourselves and the imposter syndrome is like real right we're just whenever something good happens we're like oh but is, is it like really like good like do they really like it do they really mean that or you know maybe they just no, haven't seen like like a, a de- they haven't tried out like other dress shirts it's just like a whole bunch of like doubt no, it's super true. Like even there are times when if someone has complimented on the podcast or even complimented me, mm-hmm. you know, initially my gut reaction will be to say, you know, that's too nice or that's too something else. But I have to, I'm starting to learn to accept compliments and be better about it and being mm. like, thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. <laughs> Yes. Oh my goodness. I think that's like a great exercise that everyone should do who is like yes. suffering from like imposter syndrome. I was, we were, we just went to our first few trade shows in New York City. So we were looking at like, you know, different um, textiles, different patterns, like looking for like suppliers and stuff like that. And we went and like these, these are the types of events where you like register online. So you put in like your name and like your brand, your, your company and like your role. And so like when you get there, they like, print out like a badge for you right like like any event and then my badge had like my name on it and then it said like president slash ceo and i'm just like what <laughs> i'm like wait is that's not me but i guess it is uh should i tell them to correct this but then it's actually technically correct you know so that was yeah it's 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 weird it those experiences are weird <laughs> yeah but you are the president and CEO of Nimble Made. I guess so. You are. I guess so, yeah. You are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, talking about imposter syndrome, just a tiny little thing called imposter syndrome. Uh, I've been trying to create different exercises to hopefully help others who are also experiencing imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, so I would love to maybe test it out on you if yeah, you don't mind. let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, let's see. So I've created in my mind a bunch of different exercises. None of them are like a fix it all sort of solution, but it's just like more tools in the toolbox, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, so one of the things I found to have helped me out is, you know, when I'm finding myself in kind of like a constant tunnel of self-doubt, just piling on top of each other, um, I really try to 
find some kind of silver mm-hmm. lining in in whatever I'm having self doubt about. I think it's not to lessen mm, like the things that I'm not proud of, but it's just more so like to accept that there are moments or th- certain situations I'm not proud of, but I take that with me in order to become mm-hmm. a better person. Um, so I guess to start things off, uh, usually I try to list three things that I'm not proud of or I'm not feeling good about, but on the flip side, I'll try to find three silver linings associated mm-hmm. with that. So for example, like the three things that I'm not really proud of is that like, number one, I live at home with my parents at like mm-hmm. 30 years old. Uh, number two, I'm still doing side gigs and kind of freelance stuff in order to supplement my main Mm. source of income and the third one is i we're looking back on how i spent my money um especially in my early 20s super Mm -hmm. not proud of that man i was like very reckless Mm. with my money (laughs) in my early 20s uh but you know on the flip side i feel like living at home has allowed me to save money and have a better relationship Mm -hmm. with my parents and and also an understanding that it's just a temporary situation. You know, I'm planning to move out at some point and have my own mm-hmm. independent life again. Uh, I think for the side gigs, you know, and trying to supplement my main income, it just means that I have a wide array of skills that earn me additional money. So like, awesome. I can't mm-hmm. complain about yeah. that at all. And, you know, the third thing is, um, you know, even though I, I felt like I wasn't very good about handling money in my early 20s. I'm learning from that now and I'm becoming mm-hmm. a better budgeter, but you know, not sacrificing fun in the yeah. meantime. And so, you know, yeah, I mean, would what would you think are like the top 3 things that you're not really proud of and like, you know, is there a flip side to those situations? Yeah, no, I really I really love this exercise because I think that everyone talks about imposter syndrome like all the time and like all the experiences that they have right which is great but it's just like how can we actually take those conversations and make it actionable and uh create something where we can like reflect and see what what next steps we can take to be better about it you know and so Mm -hmm. I think that's a really really awesome exercise I think I should I'm probably just gonna I'm probably gonna have this exercise like for me and Wes to do like quarterly if not like you know yeah like monthly it's I think it's a great idea um yeah I mean okay so let's see top top three things I am not proud of oh god it's just like (laughs) <laughs> like the self-reflection oh okay. I know the vulnerability part is also scary <laughs> it is it's just like you're you're just telling yourself the truth you're just like just straight on and so it's like it's it's painful um, but good but good um you're in good hands I promise yes yes perfect um yeah so I think I think one of them is definitely the fact that from time to time, I do need to rely on my parents um and that's in the form of a lot of things like support, just like emotional support, but also like finances, right? Like sometimes I, sometimes they'll like offer to like fly me back home to LA for, you know, like the holidays. And I don't want to like 
take their money. And I don't want to be like, you don't have to like pay for my stuff anymore. But you know, at the same time, like with this venture, it's been hard because we are like a little bit more strapped for cash. And so I have to kind of say, yes, like, thank you for like offering to like fly me and like paying for like this here and there and paying for my food, you know? And so I think it's like, I'm not proud of the fact that like, I've been working or like that I've been out of college for, you know, like four or five years now. And I still kind of have to like ask my mom for help sometimes. Um, that's been, I don't know. I just feel like she deserves so much better, you know? Um, Uh, yeah. So I think like the flip side, very similar to yours is that I am able to have a very, very intimate relationship with my mom, you know, with my parents, um, just by the nature of like the situation that I'm in, I can really trust her and I can really like open to her about kind of the struggles I'm going through, you know, with the business, with like finances. And she, of course, is just amazing. And like, oh, you can come home anytime, like, you know, rent free, food, like food is free, (laughs) your classic like Asian (laughs) mom. Um, And so I'm really grateful to that the business has really kind of, made us uh, connect a lot more and we have like more things to talk about and like she's been able to support me along the way so oh my god she's amazing Mm. (laughs) I think I think the second thing is I'm not proud of the fact that I am pretty shy I don't know if shy is the right word but I'm a little bit more of an introvert than I am an extrovert and I have felt it really hinder uh, my perfor- my performance when I was working in the corporate space, like, you know, like for those annual reviews, I would just constantly get the feedback that I was quiet or that I was like too shy or that I didn't speak up enough. And I think that has just like really ingrained it, 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 it became such like a, Tanya, this is a flaw. You need to work on this in my mind. Uh, and that's just something that I've always kind of like, just has always been following me like whenever people are like oh you know like my friends and I are like getting drinks like at the bar I would like naturally I'd be like I'm not going I'm staying on this couch just socializing is like stressful for me (laughs) you know so that's something Mm -hmm. I'm just constantly like not like proud of or I, I most recently wasn't like super proud of um and I think that on the flip side I really I really, like, I really thought about it. Like, I really thought, like, I need to, like, be extroverted. You know, I need to go out and network with, like, everyone. Like, if this business is going to be successful, it's because I've met, you know, like, the, like, I've networked and I've met, like, the right people. And that was just, it was just so stressful because I'm just naturally, I just can't do that. Um, And so I think on the flip side, the fact that I, like, wasn't really proud of it made me really had to, like, think about it and, like, what I wanted to kind of do right like what were my next steps going to be for like always hearing that I was like too quiet or too shy and I actually like like I, I thought about it a lot I was um I was I was having dinner with like a an Asian woman in New York City she like runs her own restaurant I was lucky enough to get like a dinner with her and I was like what do you do for self-care you know self-care is such a big thing and like you know especially running a restaurant it's so tiring it's like 24 7 you're working and she was yeah. like you know like honestly if you want the truth it's like I don't make time for self self-care and I've made my peace with that you know and I think that like that was such a honest answer because I think a lot of times you get like 
oh, you know, just like go to the spa or, you know, like take a day off. And I'm just like, but like, <laughs> no, you know, like yeah. what do you really do? And so I think the fact that she was so honest with me with the fact that like she's made her peace, but the fact that she doesn't like care about self-care anymore felt actually really like relaxing. I'm like, if I just made peace with a bunch of like stuff in my past, I would just like never have to think about it again. Right. Um, That's kind of just like a long way of saying that I've basically decided that I'm, I'm okay. And I've made my peace with the fact that people are going to think I'm quiet and that people are going to think that I'm like shy or introverted. Um, and I don't have to feel like I need to go out to this like networking event or I need to talk to like at least five people at an event. I think once I've kind of like consciously and intentionally decided that I'm okay, that people thought I was quiet or shy, I just, oh my God, life has been a breeze. (laughs) I'm like, I don't need to talk to anyone. (laughs) So... I'm just like I'm just imagining you like walking down the New York City street and being like I don't want to oh talk God. to you. I don't exactly. Talk to you. I'm just like I don't even make an effort. You know, I mean, like you like you need support and you need to like socialize a little bit. Yes, that's not you don't need that, but it's just been internally yeah, totally. I feel like at peace with that. <laughs> oh man. Um, let's see. The third thing I am not proud of. Oh, I don't know. I think it's weird to say this, but. I don't know if I'm proud of the fact that I left my corporate job. I keep go like I keep going back and forth about it. It's like you have good days where you're like, "This is amazing, I love it," and you have other days where you're like, "Oh, if I stayed, I would be making you know this much money with like healthcare, <laughs> which I currently do not have." Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I don't know. I think. I think it's kind of an extreme, but I, that's something that I would list, you know, like the fact that I'm maybe not super proud of the fact that, um, that I left my, that I left my, uh, my full-time corporate job. I don't know. That one's tough. But what would you think is the flip side of that? Then? Yeah. I think the flip side of that is just like really looking at how much I've grown since I left it. Um, it's a lot of, right. It's just like a lot of like, like self reflection on like where you were kind of like mentally, like emotionally, physically, um, before you left your job and like, you know, almost a year now that you've been working for yourself full time. It's like just really looking at yourself holistically, um, and giving yourself a lot more credit. I think on the flip side, because I've like left my corporate job, I'm able to spend a ton of time with, with Wesley, you know, like we are just like constantly together all the time. We're like laughing, we're like enjoying our lives. We have time and we have the freedom to do like whatever we want, you know, like if Nimble Made isn't going to be the business that like does it for us, it's going to be something else, you know, like we've, um, we've actually adopted a dog too. So amazing. Yeah. (laughs) He's a menace. Yeah. What kind of dog is he? Oh, he's like this mutt. I'm not really sure. Uh, he looks like a wiener dog. So we oh. think he's like half wiener, half cattle dog or like blue healer type of dog. He's small. He's very small. Oh, oh cute. Yeah. What's his name? His name is Broxy. B-R-O-X-I-E. Broxy, yeah. Broxy. How co- Why not Roxy? Or like what, what's the... I know. It's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard... 
I've never heard Broxy before. Okay, so his, <laughs> I'm like, here's the whole story. Um, <laughs> feel free to like cut this out if you need to. Um, <laughs> no, it's not good. <laughs> so he he was rescued from a puppy mill uh, in Missouri, and so I think his name when he was rescued was Brogan, like bro uh-huh. and then gin. Um, yeah, it doesn't really fit him because he's just, just like really small, like wiener dog, and you have this like kind of like fratty boy name. Um, so yeah. then we're like, we wanted to honor the fact that you know, like he has a past, so we wanted to keep the bro part, and then we just decided to like make it a little bit more cute. And like, wiener dogs, um, are like often called doxies, so we like mixed his foster name of Brogan and like doxy to Broxy. Um, but yeah. So, that's yeah, so that's the name of his. Uh, that's the story of his name. But a lot of people, I'll say Broxy, and they'll say, "Oh, Roxy, she's so cute." And they're like, "Um, yeah, yeah, it's Roxy, sure." <laughs> like that's so much easier. Again, because I don't like to like socialize. I don't want to explain all that in person to everyone. So I'm like, "It's a girl, yes." <laughs> yeah, and like you know, sometimes you just have to, you know, pick the better fights, right? Yes. Like, th- yeah. So there, there have been times when, so my name has definitely been butchered a number of mm. times, whether that was in school or in a work setting. I think in a work setting, I took it a little more seriously. I'd be like, no, my name is like, you know, Angelica. Mm. Um, but there are times in school or like at a restaurant where they're like, oh, you know, looking for an Angelica ham. <laughs> like, mm, well, it's not the best thing but whatever I'll take it <laughs> yeah oh my goodness I can't I can't even I, I feel I, I feel like I'm lucky that Tanya isn't too bad my sister's name my younger sister's name is Pepsi it's like Pepsi with a no. H in front of it I know I was like oh my god you guys ruined her but she like <laughs> hates it like so whenever she's at Starbucks or you know like whenever like she, she needs to give a name she'll use my name instead <laughs> It's tough. Oh my gosh. It's tough. It's a tough life being Hepsi. Yes. Oh, <laughs> poor girl. Oh my gosh. Well, I know we went on a tangent about cute dogs and yeah. everything. <laughs> <laughs> but how did you feel after doing the exercise? Like, do you feel like it was helpful or maybe made you feel a little bit less imposter syndrome? <laughs> yeah, man. I definitely felt, I definitely like feel a little like emotional just because you're just telling yourself what you're not proud of yourself about uh so it's just like really it just yeah it's it's very emotional it's like yeah like everyone like self-reflects but it's you're picking like three things that you're really like not proud of and you're like saying it to someone verbally and uh I think it's really I think it's really tough but being able to kind of like caveat and point out Oh, but also, you know, this has helped me because like all the silver linings I feel is like a breath of like fresh air because I feel like people are just so hard on themselves all the time and me included for sure, you know. Um, So I think it's nice to be like, hey, like you're like you're living in a home, you know, you can like pay for food, you have like running water, you know, like, it's not too bad. And you know, things could be a lot worse. So I think I think it feels it feels very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to like, it's it's obviously also like an exercise in vulnerability, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're exposing the things you're not proud of with another person. And that's scary, no matter 
no matter who it is, yeah. right? Uh, but I, I think I also feel like it's, I, I'm also hard on myself too, whether it's for the podcast or in my personal mm-hmm. life. And it just helps to know that no one has it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just having that exchange of, of that moment, yeah. it just, it helps oh, a lot. Definitely. I, think it helps I definitely, I think to your earlier point of, you know, like picking like the right battles, I was reading this book. Um, it's called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Um, Oh, great book yeah. it was actually like a pretty easy read and I usually I usually don't like you know just like very kind of like high level like type of self-improvement books like those usually don't really do it for me but that one was actually like pretty decent I think uh his whole thing is like you should just you should just um expect that hard things are always going to come like all the time there's going to be obstacles you know you're going to cry there's going to be downs and so no matter what it's going to be hard and you kind of just need to face that and just admit that that's going to happen and that you can get over it. And you have to kind of just like pick the battles that you think are worth kind of like fighting for. So his book is like very much about like, uh, I mean like the title kind of says it, it's like the support of not giving a fuck, but he means that in a way, like not just like don't do anything and just kind of like crust away in life, but like there's kind of an art, to not caring so much about certain things um like for us we shouldn't be looking at like the one return that comes back to us and get so down on it and that like affects our like productivity like for the next week you know like it's okay it doesn't work it doesn't work that's not the right customer we're gonna find like the real ones you know and so that's that's been like uh, a weight off my shoulder yeah and I think it's just that creates an environment for mm-hmm. you to just be more resilient and to just tackle the next big thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause you need so much energy and so much like mind space to, to do it. So really got to pick your battles. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think that is kind of the end of our episode. <laughs> Yay. I know. I, I'm so glad that you came onto the show and you're so open and vulnerable about all of your experience, whether it was personal or with Nimble Maid. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing everything, Sonia. Oh my goodness. No, thank you so much for having me. I think the podcast space is like so great because if because you mentioned that I am being very vulnerable, but I don't really feel like, you know, that it's gonna be like broadcasted to like everyone. So it feels you know, it, it <laughs> yeah. feels like a safe space and like you're so nice and you're so awesome. And so it just feels like I'm just talking to like a really, really good friend. Oh, that means so much. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Tanya. Music was produced by Paulina Vo. You can follow her on Instagram at Vobot, spelled V-O-B-O-T, or on SoundCloud at Paulina Vo. See you in the next episode.